British author. His book is, of course, An Astral Travel and Dreams, vis-a-vis Absolute Publishing. It's a bestseller in its genre and it's a soon-to-be-released title. I would imagine that's coming up, huh, Mark? The Peace of the Spirit Within. Mark yep. is an internationally renowned spiritual teacher, coordinator of three very popular websites, and founder of a worldwide organization that teaches courses on astral travel and dreams, self-discovery, and Gnostic wisdom. And we're talking not just some little bitty fly-by-night course, ladies and germs. 41,000 people in over 100 countries have done this. Uh, the free courses also run online, as we run online at Gnostic Web. And that is G-N-O-S-T-I-C, web, Gnostic web, and in many groups throughout the U.S., uh, the U.K., Canada, Canada, I always call it Canada, Australia, Taiwan, Greece, and Cyprus. Martha? Um, you said when you were first experimenting, you were with a group of people. Did you encounter each other on this other level? Yes, some, some of the group had projected. And what did, some. what did they look like in their projection? Themselves? Exactly the same. Yeah, oh, exactly really? the same. You, you wow. look just as you do here. Okay. Wow. Our number is 713-403-9750. Mark, will you take a question? Yeah. Great. great. Joining us now is Lisa T. from Conroe. Hey, Lisa. Hi. How are you? I'm good. This is Mark Pritchard, an expert in astral hey, projection. Mark. Hi, I'm Lisa. so glad to meet you. Well, you know, I, I do this all the time, and I found it, it gets very, very simple. And But I visit a lot of other lifetimes whenever I do this. Right. And, uh, yeah, I agree that I am borrowing this body, you know, for this lifetime. Um, so why is it that every time I do it, I, I visit other lifetimes of mine? Mark, you know? can you answer that? Something you need to learn. You should see what it is that you're seeing from those other lifetimes. Well, I've learned that I can change those other lifetimes and improve their life so it improves my life. Does that sound feasible? Not so much change in the past because it's it's like a record. When you when you go into the past from an out of the body experience, what you're actually going into is a kind of a record which seems real. It it's seems not, like I changed their emotions. Yeah, it's not like watching a movie where you, you look at it and you're totally separate from it. You're actually in the place yeah. in that time. Yeah, but Yeah, I'm actually in their body. You're only you're only looking at records. They're not actually um, events that happen in the world. So you don't change events in the world like that. Right, right. But it, you just look and see what you can learn from that for your life today because that's the important thing there. But it's almost like I'm, I'm changing my karma by changing their emotions, you know, by telling them it's okay. You know, I get inside their body and I feel them all upset and I'm saying, Hey, it's okay. You, it's not your fault that yes, this you, is happening to you. I'd say also that it's important to study the subconscious because the subconscious can guide us there in ways that may not be exactly real. They may be, but they may not. So you, it's important to study the subconscious to see those projections. You need to see what's real there. And, well, I think that, again, with karma... It's something that we, we do here. It's a consequence of what happens in our lives here. It's just cause and effect. Yeah. It doesn't happen fast enough. That's my biggest gripe about karma. It doesn't happen fast enough. That's right. It's generally not instant. Karma, a, so we can't see the repercussions of our actions. Yeah. 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 
Once you see it, it's like, oh, man, why'd that happen? (laughs) Why'd I do that? That's right. I seem to be getting everyone else's. I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm Catholic, I guess. And right? abundance. Yeah. Lisa, thanks for your call. Well, thank y'all for having him on. This oh, you're wonderful. more than welcome. All right. Bye bye. Lisa. Again, our, our number is 713 403 9750. Mark Pritchard is our guest, very special guest. He is a British author. His book is, of course, in Astral Travel and Dreams, Absolute Publishing. You can go to his website, Gnostic Web. Um, no, what it is. What is your website again, Mark? Gnosticweb.com. That's right, Gnosticweb.com, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, web.com. If you've just tuned in, you have found Supernatural Saturday Night on Super Talk 97.5, and it is sponsored by Fear Haunted Houses. And guess what? Coming up around 9-ish, we're giving away five more incredible VIP passes. Holy moly. You know how much five pairs, you know how much those are worth a piece? A lot. So cool. listen for the call. Benny's going to take your call shortly. Mark Pritchard, right now. Uh, Mark, is is a near-death experience the same thing as an out-of-body experience, just different circumstances, obviously? And if they are different, what's the variation or variable? Yeah, it's essentially an out-of-body experience, just as um, if you have an astral experience, if you have any kind of out-of-body experience. Um, The difference, of course, is that they're happening when the body itself is either dying or dead or reviving from death um, and it's the part that uh, the body is dead which has really baffled scientists because there have been so many great accounts of things that people have gone through when their body was dead the brain was completely down that um, it's forcing people to say scientists to say look something is going on mm-hmm. because they've seen uh, an operation taking place they've read medical notes, they've seen items around the building and all that, out of their body. So the body's dead. It must mean something. Now, the experience is different as well because in a near-death experience, it tends to be a fixed, in a way, a fixed kind of experience. The experience is common to people throughout the world and in many, many different cultures. So, you know, you've got this classic thing, if you're out of the body and go towards this tunnel, um, light. the light, yes. that's it. Uh, perhaps some relatives, uh, a feeling of a spiritual sense. I go, Laurie, ooh, you got fat. <laughs> <laughs> I just know it. Oh, relatives, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. It's, it's, it's really common and it's part of a process of moving on. Whereas an out-of-body experience is different because obviously the body's not dead, it's sleeping instead. And you're out of your body and you're not... Uh, going through that process, you're alive, you're free to explore. And again, Mark, you don't have to necessarily know, you don't need a GPS, you don't have to know exactly where you're going. How is that so? How do we know where to go in an, an OBE? Intuition plays a big part in it. Okay. Um, just like if you try to understand a dream, intuition p- plays a big part in that as well. Um, another thing is, is that you can go to places that you want to go. So if you want to go to London, for example, a specific place in London, you would, you would concentrate on that. You would visualize London, and then you'd find yourself traveling there. And, and if that's nothing more than Big Ben, the Tower of London, Buckingham Palace, familiar landmarks, right? Yeah, they, actually they can be quite good to concentrate on because they, they are familiar, and you can picture that in your mind. So if you use that, you can use it to travel to London. Um, 
The problem, though, with out-of-body experiences, as, as opposed to near-death experiences, is that they tend to be more influenced by the subconscious. So what you sometimes see in an out-of-body experience is like a dream. It's not actually real. It's a model of the world. Not all out-of-body experiences are like this, however, and you can, you can travel, let's say, to your roof, see what's on your roof, Next day, take a ladder, go up there and check it out, and you'll find it's what you've seen in your out-of-body experience. Well, th this friend that of uh, this gentleman I used to know in, in Austin who was from Mexico City was able to, to project in, when Alfonso, my friend, lived in Mexico City, he was able to go into Alfonso's house and describe what they were doing at dinner that night and describe well, that he had a blue sweater laid over a, a chair in his bedroom. Even though he, he's never been there before? No, no. He was able to pinpoint it as uh, as precise as, and as some of those, you know, very esoteric, idiosyncratic things that were uh, that were part of, of his home in Mexico City. And Alfonso, you know, good old Catholic boy, was just, th you know, s thinking Satan spawned. <laughs> But I was I was fascinated, you know. I was fascinated by it. And he said, I, I I said, then how do you explain the fact that your friend knew this? And he said, I don't know, mind reading perhaps. But I I totally buy into this. But you know, one time I actually followed a boyfriend to Puerto Rico. He flew there on a plane, but I went there. This is Andre, astral travel. This is Andre Andrea. Hi, Mark. How are you? Hi. And so I hi. So I knew what happened to him. So when he came back and he was telling me what happened, I was like, oh yeah. And and this and this and this and <laughs> he was like, "What? How that, did you know that?" That is because I went there. That's a cheating spouse's nightmare. Wow, yeah, it is. Yeah, it I, really I'm going to ask that <laughs> if I think my wife's cheating, can I can I watch it? Well, Mark, I mean, Do there's you want no to watch it? valid question. Mark, there's no real limitation on this. There's no guilty conscience involved in this, or is there? Yeah, there could be. There could be. Okay, there can be limits as well because we're not the only ones out there. There's other. Um, life forms out there as well and you can find limitations of one kind or another well wait, explain Ooh, that explain yeah. that explain that <laughs> the shadow people well you know we've got angels in in lots of uh, religious traditions mm -hmm. so where do they come from you know and they must come from somewhere if they exist um in my experience you can find them over there um they're just some of the beings that exist over there. It's, it's like a, it's another dimension, another world. It's just so difficult to prove not only that that place exists, but also the things that you see there, you, you can't really prove to anybody else. You can't bring it back here. And that's the problem in, in science, finding out whether these things are objective or not, whether these things are real or not. And what are the empirical thinking scientists saying with regard to out-of-body experiences and, and near-death experiences as of late, Mark? Are they, are they leaning a little bit more toward uh, finding it as a credible well, reality? Yeah, I, I've been a bit surprised by this because a lot are looking now at near-death experiences and saying, look, consciousness must be separate from the body or the brain. It has to be. If the brain is totally dead and these, these accounts are so true and so real it has to be separate from the body but then when they apply it to out-of-body experiences they say no no that's just hallucinations yeah i've had that well, i had one after a wreck 15 years ago and my anesthesiologist when i told her about what i had experienced she said it was just a mind scramble 
Yeah. You know, and I said, no, this was very real. Martha also had one, too, as a yeah, child. Lori and I have both had uh, near-death experiences, and maybe we can talk about that in just a bit. I think we need to take a quick break. Mark, can you hold? Yes, I can. Great. We'll be right back. This is Supernatural Saturday Night, sponsored by Fear Haunted Houses, proud sponsor of this show. 713-403-9750 is the number to call if you have any questions or comments for Mark or any of us. Mark Pritchard, British author. His book is, of course, in Astral Travel and Dreams. And we are all going to know how to do this before this evening is over. This is Supernatural Saturday Night on Super Talk 97.5. Be right back. Mark Pritchard, author of a great book, of course, in Astral Travel and Dreams, is our guest and will be... For a bit longer, and we'll take your calls again. Seven one three four zero three nine seven five zero. Hello, Mark. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. Uh, again, as we were saying, both Lori and I had uh, near death experiences. Mine was when I was very young. I was seven years old. I was hit by a car, and, and you had an angel. Uh, well, I'm not sure who she was. She Mark, was... you have a minute to hear this? Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Mark. This is and really incredible. It was. Uh, uh, I was not aware of any pain. As I started across the street, I heard a very loud noise. I was aware of a sensation very much like a, a thrill ride where you go, almost like you're dropped, like but this the opposite. Free fall. The opposite. It was like, oh, an upward up. surge. And at the end of that sensation, I was in a beautiful, beautiful garden-like setting, sparkly, shiny, shiny, shiny. And I, there was a little footbridge, a white footbridge over a stream, and I started to cross over it. And beautiful lady, all in white, but shining, so I couldn't actually see her face, stopped me in the middle of the footbridge and said, well, she welcomed me, and she said, you can't come over, dear. You, your mom and your dad are waiting for you. And I said, but it's so beautiful here. And she said, you'll come back another time, but you have to go home now uh, because your mother and daddy are very worried about you. And uh, again, it was just beautiful. There was no sensation of fear or pain or anything. And then I had the reverse sensation. And I was back in my body and I looked to my right and I saw my lunchbox skidding down the street. And there were people standing all around me screaming and crying. I don't know how long I was out. And there was a, a car's bumper right over me. Anyway, it was just fascinating. And I didn't even really tell anybody about it until I was an adult because it all seemed so perfectly natural. I thought this happened to everyone. Yeah, all of this is perfectly natural. Now, you know, was the, were those surroundings... Uh, I know that there's the old phrase from the song, heaven is in your mind. Was that projection of heaven or whatever the other side is that because as a child that is how it is portrayed in all the little catechisms and such oh well children have similar experiences whether they brought up with any kind of religious upbringing or not so it's it's completely independent of that what did, what did this woman look like I couldn't see her face. It was just a, a voice, a, a disembodied a, voice. It was definitely a presence, all in white, but glowing. So I couldn't really see her face. It, it was, was a, a feminine, glowing, a feminine, energy. feminine white light energy. Wow. All right. Sometimes the, the beings that are seen there can take on an appearance according to the um, the psychology of the person who has just died. Um, but in in uh, essence, it's the same thing, whether they're seen as an angel or or another kind of benevolent spirit f from another religion. It's essentially a spiritual figure that's seen. 
And this crosses cultural boundaries. Yeah, it crosses cultural boundaries. And um, that sensation of like whoosh out of the body and yep. whoosh back in. Yep. Uh, I would say that you, uh, Martha, you'd gone through the tunnel, mm-hmm. but fast. Yeah. And you'd gone into that light already. Yep. And a bridge in dreams and out of body is, well, symbols are the same thing, whether in dreams or out of body. And a bridge symbolizes the crossing from one state mm-hmm. into another. The conjunction. Mm-hmm. That's right. So if you were stopped right on that bridge, you were stopped right at that point. You could not have gone further. If you'd have gone further, you wouldn't have come back. Wow. But do we tempt fate? Do we alter our fate when we do that, if we're given the option of crossing or going back? And I've heard stories that, that cater to that. Yeah, you, you never hear the stories that... Well, <laughs> of course, that they go on, exactly. <laughs> Some of us do, Mark. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, but... Um, yeah. Damn you, Mark. Now you screwed me up. Yeah. <laughs> damn you. Hang up. Hang up on. But, uh, some people yeah, some people say that they have a choice, and other people say that right. they were sent back. That's what I meant. Yeah, so it, it really does depend. Uh, but I would say that for there to be a choice, certain things would have to have been done in the life that it would be more or less complete, and they would have done what they needed to do. Or their their body wasn't going to be so um, destroyed that it disrupted what they were going to do in that life anyway. Martha, were you injured? Were you seriously injured? Uh, Actually, not a broken bone. My entire body was a hematoma. I was a hematoma on two legs, but uh, not a broken bone, no serious internal injuries. Uh, no no uh, brain damage. Well, that's debatable, but no. <laughs> and then there were the 60s. Yeah, <laughs> took care of that later. Um, no, I survived miraculously. Nobody could understand how well, or why. Then if she wasn't critically injured, Mark, how was that an NDE? She may have blacked out at some point in that. Probably did. And uh, could have well... Yeah, I'd say that she would have been on the verge of death, and that triggered the the near-death experience. I I think there was the possibility that uh, perhaps there was some brain damage that in those days of technological or lack uh, thereof, Mm -hmm. uh, there could have been some uh, trauma. trauma Near-death experiences don't just happen when the brain is dead. The proof kind of comes from that time when the brain is dead, but many of them take place just before death Um, because there are these other factors involved you know there's the you could say the spiritual dimension of it all so a lot take place when the body is actually dying Um, you could say they're out-of-body experiences not near-death experiences but they're actually part of the process of death so they're all they're all variations on a theme yeah in, in those cases of trauma and illness that's very, very close to death, and people can have a, a near-death experience without the body actually being completely dead. Mm. But they just, they've just started the process, and, you know, if they pass over that point, the body will die. I, I very firmly believe that I was there and was sent back, and being a child, being told, well, you have to go and come back later, I went, okay, fine. It's yeah. very accepting of the whole situation. But again, it was absolutely lovely. There was no sensation of pain or fear or anything. Hmm. 
Yeah, but as we get older, the coming back later bit is a bit more worrying, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's later than you think. Yeah. I hope I get to go back there. Hmm. The options, not great. And Lori, how was your experience? Well, Mark, I don't know if mine could be considered near death, but it was near something. And um, it happened in April of 1991. Do you have a minute for this? Yeah. Because I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, Andre, I told you this, didn't I? Yes, you did. Okay. Uh-huh. My angel is a welder. Yeah. Two, three, four. I, I, my, the, an angel came and saved my life, and he's a welder, which is so typical. But um, um, I, we were driving to San Antonio, my then boyfriend. Obviously, we have broken up. <laughs> we're no longer together. He fell asleep in, a, in the, the truck he was driving, and I was already asleep. We had no business driving. Um, we were going to San Antonio for Fiesta. It was around my birthday in April. And uh, we're meeting friends there, and we'd worked both hellacious hours. It was a Friday afternoon. We'd gotten off work a little bit earlier, both exhausted. Shouldn't have been driving, but we did. He had the truck on cruise control. I fell asleep outside uh, Houston, and he fell asleep outside Seguin, all of this on I-10. And long story short, we, uh, as we were driving to San Antonio late in the afternoon, he fell asleep. We drove off an overpass and did a nosedive a semi, into a semi-dry creek bed. This is off Interstate 10. And um, the jostling, when the, when the truck went off, the, uh, off the, the freeway, the jostling of the different terrain woke me up. And I looked at the dashboard, and it was illuminated in a very bright light. And there was a very androgynous voice that said to me, you're going to have an accident, but you must relax, and you'll be fine. And then that same vacuum it went into complete darkness. Mm-hmm. And I felt if there was a, 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 a visual sentient suction of my life I, I was like it, i went to this vacuous darkness and uh i woke up on what was left of the the hood of the truck it, upon impact the truck had upsurged and formed something like a teepee and i went through the windshield and smashed into the upsurge and that prevented me from going into the water and i remember being on the hood when i woke up and thinking i was 12 years old and um, looking down at my body, and I was uh, that of a body of a 12-year-old, and I remember thinking I had to get back to Carn City, Texas, my hometown, uh, to watch the Brady Bunch. And ironically, it was a Friday night when the Brady Bunch would have come on, um, and right about the time the Brady Bunch would have come on back in 1972. So I went back to a particularly happy time in my life as a child, and um, I wasn't hurt. Then my then-boyfriend, and again, might I add, we did break up after the accident, <laughs> Um, he wasn't hurt that, that much, but um, he, I could hear him sloshing around the car, and he grabbed me and he shook me. And by that time, another, a secondary kind of a vacuous replacement of myself uh, mm-hmm. came to, and I was on what was left of the hood of the car. And I looked down, and I had um, a two multiple comminuted fractures of the tibia and fibula. My bone was exceeding through the, uh, poking through the, the, musculature of my shin and my ankle mortis the place where the ankle the tibia and fibia is secured around the ankle was shattered my leg was reversed my knee was exposed it was cracked i had a broken pelvis a broken sacrum three right ribs my uh shoulder was shattered and my face was broken i apparently had hit the dashboard upon impact hit that and then turned around in my butt thank god i'm part slavic I took the butt, my butt took the windshield out, and I slammed into the upsurge of the truck. Well, I was in a, in a great amount of pain, and Richard at the time was a six foot three, delightful, handsome Hispanic with long hair, this hippie. And uh, 
<laughs> he had a severe cut above, above his forehead and one on his hand, and that was it. But if anyone knows anything about about facial injuries, it's very vascular. He bleeds very profusely. So he here was a six foot three hippie with long hair down to his butt, uh, crawling up the uh, the embankment trying to flag down cars. Well, because I had everything broken, the only thing everything broken on my right side in particular, he leaned me on my on my left arm and uh, and said, "I'll be right back. I need to flag down help." Well, my face, my nose was shattered. Uh, my entire facial nasal cavity, uh, the the cartilage was all shattered, and I was bleeding severely in my face, and it was dripping down the back of my throat. And he had me leaning on the side of my on my left side, and I could not breathe. Uh, I was suffocating. The blood was just dripping profusely down the back of my throat, and um, I couldn't yell because my lip was also quarter inch of lip had been removed, and um, um, I had I was in dire pain and trying to stay stay coherent. And I remember thinking, I'm suffocating, I'm suffocating, and I couldn't yell out for help. Well, all of a sudden, I heard some sloshing. As if someone was walking up, and again, this was a semi-dry creek bed, so it was a, a, a sloshing effect, footsteps approaching me. And uh, I'm, again, I'm on the hood of what's left of the truck, and a man walks up to me, and he, he I never see his face, but he grabs me from my shoulders, and he props me up, and he puts one arm, his left arm, under my left arm, his right arm under my right arm, and he heaves his chest, and upon heaving, my head goes back against his chest, and my throat my uh, my uh, throat is cleared, and I'm able to breathe. And I look down, and he's wearing a dark blue chambray work shirt, very thick. This is late April, and I remember thinking, he's awfully hot. And I looked down at his hands, and he was obviously a manual laborer, Mark. His hands were very dark. They were dirty. They were scarred. You could tell he was a welder. I mean, that just came to me instantaneously, and he had his arms built I mean, his arms were through my arms, very clinical. There was nothing, you know, nothing, you know, weird about it. But my head went back against his chest, and I could breathe, and I remember just thinking, thank you. Well, I heard the ambulances come a little bit later. I don't know how much time had gone by, but I just sat there in silence, breathing with my head back against this man's Happy chest. To breathe. Thank God for that. So the ambulance finally came. They had to repel the gurney down to come get me. The, the, uh, the medical technicians came down, Richard. My boy boyfriend uh, came down along as uh, along with them, and they got to the front of the car and they grabbed me. And when they did, the the, the welder removed his arms, and um, I they put a, a neck brace on me, put me on the backboard, and repelled me back up. And we went to the uh, emergency room in Seguin, that was the nearest town. But my my injuries were so extensive, we had to transfer me to to, to San Marcos, um, San Antonio, and I was there for oh three months and it was horrible nasty experience multiple surgeries but there but by the grace of god go i i'm alive and when i came out of uh, surgery about four or five days later when i was lucid again mark we were writing a bunch of thank you notes to people who had had helped us my dog edmund my beloved sheltie was in the car with us and he was thrown from the car and had been hurt and people had stopped and they were volunteering to take my dog to his, his former vet in san antonio i used to live there we had a lot of people we wanted to thank including the the, uh, the uh, uh, technicians who had uh, very kindly taken us all the way to San Antonio. So I remember telling Richard, we have to th we just thank this guy, thank this guy, thank that girl, blah, blah, blah. And I said, also, we need to thank that welder. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, the guy who was down there who uh, helped, me, helped me breathe, and he goes, well, I have no idea what you're saying. And I said, Richard, it was the guy who, when you left me to go flag down a car, he was the guy that came up and helped me, helped me sit up. 
thought I could breathe because of the blood dripping down the back of my throat. And he said, Laurie, I went down with the, with the technicians, with the paramedics. When we got to you with the gurney, you were sitting up on that hood of the car truck all by yourself. Whoa. So, uh, and the, the technicians who came to see me in the hospital later verified that. So, who knows, you know? I'm not quite sure what I had, Mark, but that's what I had. What I have, Mark? You, you were very close to death, and in my uh, opinion, you were saved, and that your time wasn't up, that there were things that you needed to do. That's a cosmic thought, though. Everyone kept it telling is. me that, and I remember thinking only to have been maimed. I was salvaged to have been maimed, but I got over that ego thing you can't, pretty quickly then. Yeah, but you, you can't prove this to anybody. I know. But... From you, you just know. Oh, I that know. It was an intervention. I know it was, and I know uh, he was his. And like, I don't laugh at me, but I know his name was Rex, which in Latin means king. King. Mm. And I know it. I saw. I'd never looked at his face, but I know he had a name tag with that was in red, embroidered cursive lettering, and it said Rex. Wow. I know it. You see, accidents can interrupt the train of our life as it's going along. Yep. And it's something that really wasn't supposed to be there, but it, it, it happened. And your life would have stopped at that point. But I, I would say that it was a, an intervention from those beings on the other side. Well, Any explanation for how, why he would manifest in that as a well personal, that person? That's what I was saying a bit earlier, that it can, these spiritual beings can manifest according to the psyche of the person who experiences them. Well, I've always been keen for the AFL-CIO. Yeah, I've, well I've always been really no. hip with Teamsters, Mark, okay? No, but a well like is someone who's strong uh, yep. in your mind, you know, can, can be someone who's reliable. And I needed welding. I was so right. broken. Yeah, you That's to be right. I was so broken. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And uh, okay. it, it was—it's an amazing story, really. Yeah. And by the way, my lower, my ankle and shin, PVC nails. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I don't make a, the airplane stuff, you know, beep, but I am PVC. And guess what, Mark? I have the cartilage of a 19-year-old cadaver in my nose. So parts oh. of me are always 20 years younger. There you are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my nose is hot. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Mark, I just wanted your opinion on that because that's been a, that was a, a, a oddly, I know I wasn't dreaming. I was as lucid as the cows come home. I know I wasn't dreaming. I was lucid. I know. I looked down. I saw him. I smelled him. I felt him. I knew it. And they told me, and more than one person verified I was sitting up by myself. And, Mark, I had a broken sacrum and a broken pelvis, shattered pelvis. There was no way I could have been sitting. No way. And did any uh, doctors or medical staff give you an explanation? As yes. Brain, my anesthesiologist on my third, uh, I got to know her. She told me it was a brain scramble. But you know how they are. You know, she was yeah. in, very empirical in her belief systems. Prove it. You know, do I know it, see it, taste it? You know, yeah. and, and I'm happy to say that doctors are, are increasingly becoming less that way. Empirical scientists, if you will. But um, she was convinced that it was just, you know, a... a, a Accident miasma. That's know? right. And if you keep thinking about it, go and see a psychologist or something. Now, there That's is... That's what they say. Yeah, exactly. So, I know, I, 
Well, I refuse to even talk about that with them. Aren't they starting to come up with actual scientific proof for out-of-body, yes, though? they are. Well. But they're more believing it more so, aren't they, Mark? They're more perplexed by it and okay. can't really prove it. But the evidence is just so good that they're saying something must be happening out there. Something has to happen. But there's no way of proving it. We just don't have the technology to do that. Well, in my way of thinking, it's it's just you almost have to accept it, uh, just as you almost have to accept the fact that we cannot be the only sentient beings in this great creation. Mm -hmm. uh, there have to be other intelligent beings. Yeah, probably, that's right. Even, even according to the laws of chance, exactly. it's pretty much impossible that we'd be the only beings alive. So it's pretty much impossible that this is all there is for for uh, a life. Yeah, and this is all there has been. Look look at it in retrospect too. Yeah, yeah. you know. Benny, do you have a question for Mark? Yeah. Um, would you say that remote viewing is a control out of um, near death experience? If from what I get from uh, remote viewing, you sit down and you visualize something at a distance. Is that right? Right. I think yeah. so. I'm not there. Yeah. I'm not there. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's not an out-of-body experience. That's um, a kind of telepathy like polyvision where you, you see things that you couldn't possibly see with your physical eyes. And there's a lot of experience to be done with this. Uh, because it's much easier to do than out-of-body experiences. And in experiments, people have had really good results of picking up images, uh, drawings, photographs, objects at a distance. Um, the chances uh, of finding those objects, seeing those things, is something like a billion to one. And when those things are repeated, then it just cannot be chance. It has to right. be that there is some other factor there. And the, and the CIA, it's kind of hushed-hush, but it's not exactly top secret either. They've got remote viewers, don't they, yeah, Andrea? Yeah, the people they train. Yeah, they do. Oh, Courtney yeah. Brown and uh, uh, what was his Ed Danes, all those, uh, those mo more notable types. So. And yet, officially, it doesn't exist or it can't exist. <laughs> see, but it, really speaking, it does. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think so. Oh, yeah. Okay, what's the difference, Mark, between astral projection, out-of-body, and remote viewing? Are they pretty much, again, we touched on this earlier, but they're pretty much one and the same with slight variables? Out-of-body experiences, same as astral travel or astral projection. Okay. Exactly the same. Remote viewing is not a projection. It's the ability to see, to see. things at a distance. Okay. Good it's deal. quite different. You don't leave your body to, to do remote viewing. we got to take a break. Do you have a few more minutes you can spare, Mark? Yes. Okay, great. This is fascinating. Thank you so much for your time. We're talking to Mark Pritchard, British author. His book, and it's a must-read, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I love this book. It is. It teaches you how to do this, to project astrally, uh, to have an out-of-body experience. And it's a cosmic thing, let me tell you. You can check it out by going to GnosticWeb.com. That's where you can get his book, A Course in Astral Travel and Dreams. And we'll talk more about your upcoming book, Mark, The Peace of the Spirit Within, when we come back, correct? Yes, that's All right, right. good deal. Mark Pritchard's our guest. You are our listeners, and we'd love to hear from you. 
403-9750. Want to learn how to astral project? Have you had an out-of-body experience? What about a near-death experience? We've got about 25 more minutes left with Mark Pritchard. We'd love to hear from you. 713-403-9750. This is Supernatural Saturday Night. Mark Pritchard, he is a uh, author. His book, and it's a great one. It really is a must-buy. I suggest you get it. It's called Astral, A Course in Astral Travel and Dreams, Absolute Publishing. You can get it through GnosticWeb.com, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-Web.com. Uh, Mark Pritchard taking your call, 713-403-9750. Darren joins us now. Hi, Darren, on line one. How are you, sir? Pretty good. How you doing, ma'am? We're good, Darren. You have a question or comment for Mark Pritchard? I do, Mark. I do, Lori, for Mark, I should say. Okay. Uh, hey, Mark, I'm just curious. Uh, when you've been out, floating around, so to speak, have you actually picked up any mentors out there that have taught you things that are a little bit above average in knowledge that you wouldn't pick up down here on the physical plane? Yes, definitely. And that's one great thing about astral travel or out-of-body experiences that you can get this, these teachings from these um, mentors or guides. Well, it has often been my belief that part of the reason we can do it is because there are things that we need to know that, for whatever rules there are out there, aren't available in the four-dimensional world, shall we say. Yeah. So, okay. I was just curious. You get much more than you can ever read in a book, that's for sure. Darren, Darren, have you had experiences? Darren's done Uh, it all. (laughs) I have not done it all. Stop that. (laughs) I've gone to classes on the other side. What? There you go. You can. I've gone to class. Out of body high school. Uh, kind of. Really? Yeah. Wow. Now, what does that mean? With other, uh, done astral projection with with friends, and we were on the other side getting lessons <laughs> on how to what come back or what lessons on what. Uh, you know, a lot of things about healing, but just teachings about what we're doing here. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I get it. I yeah. get it. That's not unheard of, is it, Mark? Very common. Okay. Right. Wow. Um, the classroom uh, represents a place of learning, either out of your body or in your dreams as well. So if you're dreaming about being in a classroom, it, it can mean that you're being taught out there, or it can mean there's something to learn in the school of life. So it's a, almost a symbolic, met, uh, symbolic it, thing. Yeah, it, it can be symbolic, or you can actually be out there being hmm. taught in a okay. kind of a classroom or learning situation. Mike joins us now, line two. Hi, Mike. You're on SoupNet Sat with Mark Pritchard. Thank you, ladies. Hi, Mark. Hi. Uh, my question is not about astral travel. I try to say the subject is going to be more on dreams. Um, it seems like uh, is it normal? I, I was. It seems like when I go to sleep, I, I you know I think of something. Of course, when I'm going to sleep and I fall asleep. But from that point till I wake up, I cannot remember anything about what I dreamed. Yeah. Is that is that a common or is that more uncommon? It's pretty common. It is pretty common. Yeah. You wake up and you can't remember nothing about what happened in the middle. What does that mean? It means that um, the memory is not good, basically, um, of dreams. I don't mean in the day, but your memory of dreams is not good. And what you need to do for that is when you're going to sleep, mm-hmm. try to think about remembering your dreams. And when you wake up in the morning, lie still, don't move, and see if you can go back into your night's dreams. Eventually, you'll find, if you keep doing this every morning, that you'll start to remember like the beginning of a dream. When you remember the beginning of a dream, just concentrate on it. Try and really feel yourself back in that dream. And you keep practicing every day, and gradually, 
gradually you'll find that you'll start to remember dreams a little bit better. When you do remember them then, write them down in a diary next mm-hmm. to your bed if you, you can. And that whole thing will start to get you to think about remembering your dreams. Because you are dreaming, it's just that you're not remembering them. But what's the relevance of those extreme absurdities, Mark? I, the other night, a couple of weeks ago, I dreamt that I was in my hometown again, and I was dodging terrorists, a, t- a terrorist attack. They were catapulting Bradley tanks and tow trucks at me. Now, what the <laughs> hell was that? There's a lot in our subconscious. But why catapulting Bradley tanks and tow trucks? What was what? What am? What did wow. I eat? It, well, yeah, eating eating can bring about. I know, but what the hell am I thinking? What, what is in my psyche that's making me dreams of dream of Bradley Tate being catapulted it, at work, me? There's work. nothing. There's nothing in a dream that brings you to any kind of reality. Okay. So any of those images that are in the subconscious, maybe you saw it in a movie or on the news or something like that, can just become real, and it, it can become this mumbo jumbo of different images absurdities that's right but inside all of that is the subconscious and at the base of that are various emotional states so you can find um perhaps frustration fears many many things that are the root of those dreams and those dreams are actually then using the clutter in the subconscious, and it's all becoming real. Mm. So that that's what's going on there. The the thing to do then is to is to look at the the subconscious during the day and see what's happening there. And how can Mike better remember his dreams? Well, you remember your dreams better by doing that exercise of remembering them, but also by becoming more how can I say this, aware during daily life. If you're thinking and if you're in a daydream, that process of daydreaming is essentially going on when you fall asleep. And if we're really into our daydreams, then at night we we can't really see the astral plane. We can't see what's going on there and we can't even remember dreams because the the subconscious then is strong. But if we learn to come out of the subconscious a bit during the day, if we are a bit more aware, a bit more alert, then that will have its effect in the dreams at night. So your dreams will become a bit clearer. All right, Mike, that makes sense. Well, I could give it a shot. Yeah, <laughs> give it a shot, Mike. Give it a go college try. <laughs> That's right. All the best to you, my <laughs> Thank friend. You Thanks, I can't Mike. remember squat either. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> David's on line three. Good evening, David. How's Friendswood? Friendswood's doing fine. Give our best to our fan there. <laughs> All right. He is our fan there. He is what our fan. I have my top fan. <laughs> Go okay. ahead, David. Um, I was just wondering, if, uh, during this astral projection, have you ever been in a situation or in a place where you didn't want to be or was undesirable? Yes. Many times I've been in places that I, I haven't wanted to be in, but I take it all as a learning the whole thing to me is a learning process and and I'm there because I need to experience something. Um, A necessary evil, if you will. Yes, that's right, because not all of of what we go through there is is light and harmony Mm -hmm. and peace and everything. Neither is life. That's right, because life is not. And, uh, And so there's a lot to learn over there and it's not all pleasant. 
Yeah, there are some experiences which are, are difficult to go through, but yet they're learning experiences, just as in our lives here. You know, sometimes we learn a lot from the most difficult situations. Have you ever done that, David? No, I have not. I was just wondering. Okay. Yep. Well, appreciate your call, David. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, you. Mark, are there any people to whom you would not recommend uh, the practice of outer body Yeah, my, my mom. I think the people who would be a bit mentally unstable. Yep. I think, uh, or emotionally unstable. Really? So yeah. if you're if you are frenzied on this level, it's not a good idea to try to go to another one. I think that it's better to to try to become unfrenzied here first. Do you take your baggage with you, Mark? Definitely, yes. Good lord. So if you're if you're in a negative or distressed psychological state here and you have an out of body experience, you're far more open to hallucinations over there. I know it's bad enough. I need a porter in my life. <laughs> I know. That's a drag. Nice. Yeah. No wheels necessary. Really. <laughs> Lovely. Mark, we so appreciate your time. Your book is great. It is a week by week course. It is easy to read and it tells you exactly what to do. It tells you exactly what not to do too. I would suggest it if you want to try it. Mark, before I go, I want to ask you, can you ever go to the point where you can't come back? Do you have oh. to watch out for that? You never go to the point where you can't come back. You always come back. You, you've attached to the body with a silver cord. Does the life energy bring you back always? Always. You only have to wake up from a, a night's sleep and you're, you're awake. You're back in your body. See, I never knew equated dreaming with being out of body. Mm -mm. Like the other night with those Bradley tanks being catapulted at me by terrorists, I, I had a hard time picturing that was out of body, but you're saying it is? Yeah, if in that dream you would say, hold on, this is really strange. Uh, this is weird. I've it done yeah. a dream. I've done lucid dreaming like that before. That's right. Then you, you're in a lucid dream. When you're in a lucid dream, you're in exactly the same place as if you were to have an out-of-body experience. Although oh. the chances of you seeing still these hallucinations from your subconscious are, are a bit stronger. Nevertheless, you can clear yourself of those hallucinations. Just look around and try and be in the present moment. If you do that, you can get clear of those, those uh, projections and you can be in exactly the same place as someone who's having an out-of-body experience or even a near-death experience. Well, and you can do that from a dream. Mark, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you for spending part of your Saturday evening with us. Mark Pritchard, uh, British author. His book, A Course in Astral Travel and Dreams. I love this book. I am not parting with it. And I thank you. I thank your editor. Get away from me, Martha. Give it. I thank your editor for sending me this. Uh, and it's a, a complete course. And you can go to the website, GnosticWeb.com. There's a free online course in astral travel as well. Mark, will you come back? Yes, I will. You're yeah. a great guest. Thank you so much for your time and continued success. Also, what is the piece of the spirit within about? Let's plug your new book. It's about finding peace inside. That's basically what it's about. And you know what? We all need a lot more of that in this day and age, Mark. Yes, yeah, send me a copy. Yeah, give us, can, can you send seven copies <laughs> to us? Uh, well, well, basically, what's the, the give us a kind of a very brief overview. What does that entail? It entails self-knowledge, basically, looking at what's inside, studying it, and getting the bad bits out and getting to the good bits. And Mark, you think one of the biggest problems we face as, as human beings in this day and age is our lack of accountability for our own unhappiness? Yes, definitely. We tend to think that happiness is, 
is uh, caused by things other than ourselves. Sometimes, okay, there are circumstances, but a lot of what we go through comes about from what's inside of us. And the victimization has got to stop. That's right. If we can okay. change what's inside of us, we can really change our lives. And you don't realize how easy that is until certain points of your life, but you have to get to that point, and that's the problem. It's going from point A to point C and getting over the B hump. That's right. That's yep. so difficult, but it can be done. And to understand that it is possible to change. It is. And happiness is a perspective. You can initiate it. It's, it's always within. I never yeah, thought I'd ever say that out loud without a Xanax, <laughs> but here I am. <laughs> All right, Mark, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time, and good luck and come back soon. I have, uh, I have your, uh, your handler's phone number. I will call, yep. and we will talk soon. Thank you again, and good luck. continued success. Good luck. Thanks very much. Thank you. Mark Pritchard, Astral Projection uh, expert, expert in out-of-body experiences. Expert and instructor. He does it all.